Welcome to Women Up, everyone. Our purpose of this podcast is to connect women from all over the world with the most powerful tool of storytelling. Once a week, a wonderful woman will share her journey with us, focusing on different aspects of her life, aspects that each and every one of you will be able to relate to and learn from. We're all connected in this life, and what better inspiration than your woman next door? Let's find the next woman together. And we are back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Woman Up. Hello, Evie, and hello to our wonderful guest today, Amber Pavey from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're so excited to hear your story. Everyone, Amber is a mindfulness educator. I'm also going to say a mindfulness badass. I've had the opportunity of knowing Amber this last year. We have scheduled projects together that unfortunately haven't come to fruition yet due to the world circumstances, but we're making this happen today. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Aw, thank you. What a great introduction. I'm just thrilled to be here and share this, this conversation with you lovely ladies. We would like to start with you giving a general background of who you are, what do you do? Awesome. Happy to share. So my name is Amber Pavey. I am a born and raised Calgarian. Uh, there's not very many of us around. There's a few, but, but not too many. Love my roots. Really, really proud to be a Calgarian and a Canadian. Although I have to be honest, other places have been pulling and nudging at me lately for, you know, a move or adventure of some sort. We're not sure what that's going to look like yet, but I'm definitely open to it because I'm open to new possibilities and change all the time. I am a career teacher, so that's really where my journey began as a trained educator. I started teaching with the Calgary Board of Education back in 2003, had three children under the age of three as well. They were really actually, I would say, the biggest catalyst in my life for change. I realized uh, after all three children were born uh, that I did not have tools in my toolbox to, to deal with the uncertainty. You know, everything was going as planned, right? Life was unfolding. The five-year plan was coming to fruition. Everything was happening the way it was supposed to. And then a curveball kind of showed up in my life. And, and I didn't really, even though I was a trained educator and my specialty was early childhood, I didn't feel accomplished or successful as, as a mom. I felt like I was losing my mind. And so I found my way to a yoga mat actually when I was pregnant with my twin boys. And that was really the beginning. And every time I found my way to my yoga mat, I just kept feeling more and more pulled to be there and then to subsequently share it with my students, with my family, with friends, with colleagues. And it's what kind of ultimately led me to leave my what I call quote-unquote safe career as an as a educator. I left my career in 2018. I left the safety of a great pension and a great salary and good holidays and all of that security. I, I walked away from it in 2018 and launched Present Possibilities, which is a local organization serving kids, teens, and adults in the Calgary area and beyond. I actually teach globally online even. So I, I meet with people all over the world and share meditation, mindfulness, energy, body practices, all sorts of tools and techniques to improve their wellness. Because as an educator, I, I, you know, I feel very strongly that education is the foundation and the bedrock of, of any strong culture or civilization. But for me, it it grew beyond just reading, writing, and arithmetic. I felt like, you know, yeah, those are all life skills, 
that we want to arm our children with and our communities with, but really ultimately, if we want to thrive and not just simply survive, we really need these these wellness tools more than ever. So that was that's that's pretty much what brought me to this place in my life now. Yeah. Can we go back to the yoga mat? I want to know what drew you there and what you learned in the process. What took you there? What unfolded? Like, how does one come to that understanding? Because I know we all experience something in life that can completely shift us. But I know also being on the yoga mat is a lot of self-discipline coming from 15 years of being a yoga teacher and practicing myself. Every time I step onto the mat, it's like I've disciplined myself to be there because I know that things arise for me. But can you explain your process a little bit? Mm, mm, yeah, I love that. I love that. That's such a important reminder, I think, for folks. I would say chaos <laughs> brought me to the yoga mat, feeling very out of control, feeling feeling very much like, oh my gosh, now what? You know, I I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm feeling very overwhelmed and you know, many people in my life, and even I think my doctor potentially at the time had suggested, you know, yoga is really good to de-stress and it's good for the babies and all of that. And and there, because um, I had a high risk, well, it wasn't really at all. It wasn't high risk at all. But with twins, there's often other challenges that come along with that, uh, including size. So I definitely had some mobility issues and I wanted to stay healthy in mind and body. And so, you know, my usual fitness classes just weren't accessible to me anymore. And I thought, okay, well, I want to keep this body healthy and fit. I'm going to give yoga a try. And I just kept going back. I just kept going back to the mat. I felt fantastic when I was there. And it was actually my out when after the boys were born. So our daughter, Grace, she was two and a half and the boys were newborns. And uh, around the six, eight week mark, I started a weekly you know, outing with a girlfriend, we'd go for coffee. Well, usually what we did was we'd go to yoga. It was a yoga combo Pilates class. So it was a bit of both. And then we'd go for dinner or coffee or tea or something like that afterwards. Every Monday night, it was like this weekly ritual. It was my date night out and I left the babies at home with the hubby. And that was, that was my sanity when they were young, you know, my connection to myself became very profound. I could finally hear my own thoughts and feelings, my own heart, the whispers of my heart. I could hear them on the yoga mat when all those other distractions kind of fell away, right? And as an educator, helping children really learn to become present and and hear those inner whispers, for me, there's nothing more important. And so I really worked hard to figure out how to embed that and really place it into my classroom, how those things, without being a formal yoga teacher, or at the time I had no mindfulness or meditation training, no formal training, how could I honor those things about myself and also honor that in my classroom? And so I just started playing. I just started infusing it into my classroom and it worked. (laughs) And so I just kept doing it more and more and more. And that's what ultimately led to me saying, okay, I I need to leave the safety of my career and and launch a new one. So if somebody were to come to you and say, tell me what I need to do to be present right now, because I am really struggling. What would your advice be? What would you 
tell them to do or not you can't tell anybody to do anything but you know your suggestions Mm -hmm. that's a great question so uh interestingly this question came up with a client yesterday client that I'm coaching and and she you know we chat often about how it's going and the feedback and 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 how the practices are going and she shared with me she said I realized you know in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep instead of feeling frustrated or resentful or angry with the fact that I couldn't sleep I just befriended the fact that I couldn't sleep I learned to be with the inability to sleep and I made peace with it And that really launched a conversation in terms of her recognition that in order to be present, she realized she doesn't have to do anything. We've been so programmed and conditioned in our cultures to feel like in order to be successful or in order to accomplish something, we need to do, quote unquote, do something. There's some sort of action required. And in yoga practice, meditation, mindfulness, the the power of presence in general, it's not about doing it all. It's really about embodying being, just being with the experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, the joyful, the sad, you know, the rageful, all of it, just being present, right? Whatever, however life is unfolding for you, whatever that looks like, it's just really about being with it. We're not really supported in our corporate structures or institutions or education or even in our in the way we raise our families, right, to encourage beingness. We really promote and encourage doingness, which ultimately for me and like really resulted in me finding my way to being because the doing was just no longer working. So that's what I always recommend to people is maybe pause on the doing. There's a time and place for doing, you know. We all have to do things, you know, laundry, dishes, groceries, all of that stuff needs to be done. But can you just maybe spend five minutes, 10 minutes being, being in nature, being with your loved ones or your pets, being by the sea, being in the mountains, just really be and see what that experience is like and how it unfolds for you. That's what I would, that's, that's where I would suggest anybody start really. No, that's great. That's great. That's very well said. Embrace, don't fight it. You know, the common saying also, what we continue to resist persists. It's never ending. What is the bigger lesson here? What am I missing? And I think by getting quiet and listening, being it on your yoga mat, being in meditation, that's why meditation is so important because we learn the discipline of getting quiet. And it's not an easy place to be because people are like, I just can't turn my mind off. Well, it takes practice just like anything else takes practice. So I encourage you to be with your resistance as Amber has beautifully said for us. So Amber, I'm just going to circle back a bit. Can we just talk a little bit about how your life was before your kids, how you thought of career before the kids, and then how your kids changed all that? Because some people say you can't have it all. You can't have a career, you can't have kids, then you can't have kids and a career, vice versa. Yeah, I think that's that's a great question and and it's very relevant these days, right, especially for women. So for me, interestingly enough, before I had children, I chose my career knowing that family and children were a very important part of who I wanted to become in the world. 
And at the time, I was really struggling with, do I want to pursue journalism? Do I want to pursue marketing? They were strengths of mine at the time. And ultimately, I chose education. I chose my studies in education because my mother was a teacher. My great-grandmother was an educator. My father was a professor at the university many, many years ago at Mount Royal. And I felt as though if I wanted to be, quote unquote, at the time, successful mom, that I needed to choose a career that honored that. And so, you know, my holidays would be the same, those kinds of things. I, I chose a career based on motherhood before I even became a mother. And what's ironic is I would have never in a million years thought that I would have been a small business owner or an entrepreneur, you know, going it alone. I, I really would have never, ever thought that. But my children actually, in many ways, were the huge catalyst for me to leave my job because I, I thought, you know, I can't model for them something that does not light me up. You know, I'm modeling for them something that literally is sucking my soul dry, you know, and sure, you know, I have safety and security and all of those things, you know, I have a contract and, and whatnot. But really, ultimately, I, I really came to this idea that I can't stay in something that is going to suck my soul if, if I have these little children watching me. And believe it or not, even before I had children when I was teaching, I often felt like the children were there for me. I was not there for them. They have so much to share and teach. And as an educator, I was always willing to learn from them. It was not kind of my classroom was not a top down approach, you know, where I'm I'm the boss and, and you're my minions. It was it was very much an honored place where it was a space for learning for everybody and children. Oh, my gosh, they really have so much to share if you're open to it. And I would often joke, jokingly say to them, you know, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to drink my coffee or my tea or whatever. You guys take over, you know, I'm going to become the student. You guys take over because you've got it all figured out. And they would giggle like these are even kindergarten students, right? Little kindergartners who think, oh, my goodness, my teacher thinks I'm so smart that I could be the teacher. But I really, truly believed that. And my own children, I mean, I, I have a book of things, profound things that they have said to me over the years that I just think, oh my gosh, how can you be so young and so wise, you know? And I really realized I was not living in alignment. I was not living in a way that truly embodied my values. And my children could sense that, they could see that. You know, I'd come home from work and I was absolutely drained and tapped out, right? They, they know, they know. And so I also believe that balance is bullshit. I think <laughs> that that idea that, you know, you can have full balance in life, it, it's not possible. You, you can't be in two places at once. We are humans, it's impossible. So wherever you are, whether it's at work, you need to be fully present in that space. If you're at home, when your workday is done and you're home with your children, you need to be fully present in that space. And where we get into trouble is when we're feeling pulled, pulled away from where we really are at, at present. So yeah, my, my children have been an incredible catalyst for me in many, many ways. And they're also my biggest cheerleaders, in fact. Anytime I'm feeling discouraged or frustrated, they're always the first ones to be like, oh, mom, you got this. Like, 
they don't exist in a place of doubt or fear, really. They're, they're these infinite little beings that see all the possibilities. I love learning from children, my own and other people's. I think I learned so much from them as well, especially when I was in a Montessori school teaching three to five-year-olds yoga. I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into, and it was the most exhausting series of classes I've ever taught but the most profound, like, yes, I would be, I would be so drained after because I have to be so creative as to how to keep these children captivated in actually trying to teach them the skill of breathing movement and relaxation. But it was so rewarding. And I would cry many times I get into my car and I would just cry, but they were happy tears. And I'm like, what is, what's wrong with you, Adonia? And going back to what you were saying about balance, I think balance is power. I always say that in my yoga classes, that balance is power. But what I truly mean in that is that balance is being aware and present to what you're doing right now. That's, I think, a true definition of balance for me. And I think it is congruent with what you just said. Because if you can balance what you're doing right now, everything else has to wait for later. Because I'm pouring my energy here to you And I think that's what's important with children. We can't multitask with them. You can't be on your phone, on your computer, and telling them to sit down and be quiet and do their alphabet. Like, they need your full presence. So I think what you do is very important, especially today, because the system has, in my opinion, taken a downturn. I want to know, because I know when we spoke before this podcast, Amber, there was, you just gave us the example of your kids being one of the major reasons for leaving the school system. But what else was happening in your life at the time? I often say that I do things in threes, (laughs) you know, three kids and three crises. So there was a lot of, I call them nudges or knocks from the universe, kind of nudging me and, and pushing me towards something else. But of course, the safety and security of being an educator with one of the largest school boards in Western Canada, you know, the rational, linear, logical brain kind of kept dominating and say, oh, no, 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 like, you don't need that. You know, you're successful. Just let things be, just be content, right? Like, you're, everything's good. Don't look outside the box kind of thing. And my children, of course, being born was, it was a huge shakeup for me. But when my, my mother and my father-in-law and a very close friend of mine all passed away within three years of each other, <laughs> Again, that beautiful number three, that triad showed up in my life. And I really felt like, oh man, again, I, I don't have the tools. I don't have the tools to deal with this grief and this loss and this tragedy and this uncertainty. And it was a really deep healing opportunity for me in many, many ways. And it was also an opportunity for me to look deeply at the way things were and really decide, really choose you know, is is the way we are living and functioning in alignment? Is it congruent with my values and my beliefs? And often on my yoga mat, I would come to this, no, it's not. And it got so loud for me in 2017, 2018. It got so, so loud for me that I could no longer ignore the signs. I could no longer convince myself or talk myself out of what my heart was was asking of me and a situation arose at work that I could not ignore and it was interesting the way it played out it was as if it was divinely 
guided for me. That situation, it was as if the universe knew, okay, if I put this situation in her place, we know, we know what she will choose because she's been faced with this in the past. She, she honors herself enough and her boundaries and her truth enough that she can't ignore this, the way, the, the way this is going to play out. And I kept convincing myself, oh, just one more year. You know, I'm just going to teach for one more year. I, I felt terrible, you know, leaving my, my I often um, shared a classroom with partner teachers. And so, you know, they would talk me into staying, right? And parents would get wind that I was thinking of leaving or my principal and they'd talk me out of it. And I was constantly being talked out of it. And finally a situation arose where it was so clear, nope, nothing was going to talk me out of this. And I really should have listened to those signs and synchronicities and those little messages, those little rumblings earlier, but I didn't. Like many of us, you know, it takes a bit of a shake up for us to wake up. And ultimately that was, was what really parachuted me out of my safe career into my, my now career of really getting to choose and create what I want to offer in the world and how I serve and how I reach people. I'm still teaching. It just looks different is all. And so crisis, I often believe, you know, crisis, it's messy, it's uncomfortable, it's hard, but man, it is a beautiful catalyst for change. You know, chaos, chaos has a purpose. It has a place. It really, truly does, you know? It does. And that's why a lot say that the biggest changes happen during pure madness. The times you're very scared to do something is basically the times that you should act on it. That is one of the quotes that I keep coming across at every book that I read, any inspirational video, biography, anything that I read. And it's like, you're scared? Do it. That's the time to do it. I have another question for you. So after so many years being an educator and everything, what is your next step? I have no idea. <laughs> Doesn't that scare you though? Oh, it used to. Oh my gosh. Yes. It used to not having a plan and this whole idea of free falling and not knowing where life was going to take me. Oh my gosh. It rocked my world. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, Ooh, like what's coming down the pipe? What? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to show up for me. I don't know how things are going to play out. I'm just open and I'm curious. And I, I want to play. I really just want to play with the energy in an organic, really natural free flow, like a three-year-old. You know, when you watch like a little three-year-old or preschooler playing at the water table or the sandbox, and they're just immersed in the experience and the exploration of it. That's how I want to live my freaking life every day. You know, I want to just play and see and learn and be curious and discover. If you know, if you had told me 10 years ago, even actually my husband and I used to talk about this all the time. If you had told us when we got married that we would have had three children in three years and life would have looked the way it was and that his wife was going to, you know, leave her safe, quote unquote, my dream job. Like, I, I don't think I mentioned that, but I dreamed about being a teacher since I was a little girl. You know, I was five and dreaming about being a kindergarten teacher. So I, I left all of that, this idea of giving up my dream, but it was just in exchange for a new dream. Dreams are meant to evolve and change and grow. And so I, I really don't know. I'd love to write a book one day. I have some projects on the go that I'm really excited about. 
that I'm looking forward to revealing. I, I don't know. I Even when I left my job, when I left teaching, I had a plan. This was what I was going to do. I was going to work in schools and in corporations and teach people mindfulness. Well, it has not turned out that way at all because COVID had other plans. Chaos had other plans for me. And so now I'm just continuing to pivot and I'm working in online spaces like I would have never in a million years thought I would have done. Participating in podcasts, I would have never thought I would have done that. I've taken some time to do some shamanic training. I, ha I have some shamanic training that, that I infuse into my meditations and my practices and working and coaching with clients. I'm really just open and curious to see where life takes us and, and how it unfolds. I don't have a plan for probably the first time in my life. <laughs> Again, a person is coming to you and it says, I am a planner. I cannot imagine my life without thinking of the next step because it just causes me pure anxiety. It literally haunts my dreams. It haunts my existence. I just cannot do it for the life of me. And I can relate. That's me. <laughs> There's a lot of people like me. Your advice. How can I plan not having a plan? <laughs> Help me. I love that. I love your honesty and your vulnerability and your because I think there's so many people that can relate, right? I remember thinking and reading and hearing other people speaking and feeling like, oh, well, that all sounds great. But again, how do I do that? Right? How do I do that? And once I practiced just being with it, right? Sit, be still, and know, drop into your heart, drop into your body. That's where all of it exists and we we don't spend a lot of time with ourselves right we're so busy and distracted and there's so many things going on there's so much noise that we we don't prioritize ourselves and a really wise teacher of mine says you know we have three brains we have our mind brain we have our heart brain we have our gut brain and we've been living with the domination of our mind brain and bypassing our heart and our gut. But when all three come online and this beautiful congruence and alignment occurs, this synchronicity between all three, and it often happens through the practice of meditation or yoga or even forest bathing, my goodness, you know, you get out in nature, go sit by the sea for goodness sake and listen to the ocean for 10 minutes. The wisdom that just kind of rumbles up within you is amazing. But as long as we are numb or distracted or busy or being pulled here and there, we can't be present with our gut and our heart and our mind. The three cannot align and send us those whispers. And so I would just encourage anybody to start practicing. Start slow. Be kind. You know, five minutes here and there when you can. You know, don't start with a disciplined practice and, you know, have these high expectations of yourself. No, just, just play with it and allow it to unfold. You know, I'm going to go for a walk today and I'm not going to take my headphones. I'm just going to tap into the sounds of nature around me. I'm going to listen to my footsteps. I'm going to listen to the wind and the birds and feel everything just start there really and it's amazing i i think i think you'd be shocked at what unfolds for you what truths emerge and what wisdom and what nudges kind of end up pulling for you and when i was little i was raised catholic and so prayer was was a practice that that i was very used to prayer prayer was common for me going to church with my grandparents 
And I moved away from that, got away from that. I ended up going to public school instead of Catholic school and moved away from, from prayer. And it was amazing. In my 20s, I returned to it. And very quickly, very quickly, it was like spirit showed up. The divine showed up. And almost instantly, when I look back, I would say a prayer or, or make an ask, a request of something. And it was as if things just would emerge and show up. And so just remembering to take that time to, to be with the divine, be with yourself, be in nature, right? There's nothing more, than, more divine than nature itself. But contemporary life makes it difficult to do those things. I don't know. I just, my heart is full. And just by being in the moment, at the moment... Our next question to you is, with three kids, let's just talk about your ritual, like that time of the day. Usually I talk about a morning ritual, like your morning habits, your morning routine, just to kind of get you into the spirit of getting into your day. We love to ask this question just because everybody has a different answer or a similar answer. And it's not only about morning. Some people just not, they're not morning people. They have it later. But I'm just interested in you because you do have three kids. So what is it that you do? So for us, I am not a morning person at all, but we have, for us, we have some beautiful evening rituals that work for us. Now, that being said, I do make a point of trying to meditate or practice mindfulness in some way in the morning, each and every day. Often it's before I even get out of bed and really infusing that into my day has been incredible. So even before my phone gets my attention, my puppy or my children or my hubby or my computer before anybody gets my attention. I take a few moments in bed and I place my hand on my heart and I just start listing off all the things that I am so grateful for. And often it's a great night's sleep. That's the first thing. Thank you body for a beautiful night's sleep. I've woken up. I feel refreshed. I feel ready for my day. Thank you for the comfort of my warm, safe bed, this home that protects us and keeps us safe while we sleep. I look out my window. Thank you for nature. I live um, backing onto a beautiful park here in Calgary and birch trees are my favorite. And the whole back fence of our yard is lined with birch trees. And, you know, I, I just start there. I literally start here in my heart space each and every day. Thank you for my husband who often brings me tea in the morning, brings me tea in bed. Thank you for my children who are now old enough to make their own lunch. All of these little things that I, I, I start my day with my cup full instead of empty, right? All of the acknowledgements and, and gratitude. And then I always always make a point of spending some time in nature every single day. So whether it's in my garden, you know, weeding or doing some sort of maintenance of some sort or taking my puppy for a long walk, I always make a point of getting out into nature, regardless of the weather. Living in Calgary, those 40 below days can be chilly, but even 10 minutes out in that can be incredibly renewing. And then for us, really, our ritual is more evening-based, to be honest. My hubby and I, we have a tea ritual every night. You know, the kids go to bed and it's, you know, what kind of tea do you want tonight? And, you know, what are we going to watch together? And it's our time. It's our time to just sit and enjoy a cup of tea, connect, chat about our day. And then I have um, some energy body practices that I use before bed every single night. And they're simple. You know, these are not onerous by any means. They're just simple little tasks that I've infused into my day that have really, really improved my quality of life, my connection, mind, body, spirit, 
and improve my sleep. And so for me, they're, they're practices just as common as brushing your teeth. You know, you brush your teeth in the morning and in the, in the evening. These practices, meditation or energy body, prayer, you know, whichever, whatever you want to call them, are just as necessary as brushing your teeth or taking a shower and washing your hair. And that's just how I've come to see them is they're just as important, you know, as taking care of the physical body, we need to take care of the mind space and and the, the energetic body and the emotional body as well. I think even you're just calling it in right now, even just by saying prayer and saying divine, like when we talked about the three eyes or the three homes lighting up, that's what I practice almost daily to do. And we are very cerebral and we're all really up here all the time. But when I begin, whatever I'm trying to call in, I have to connect to my heart and my gut responds instantly. My spine lights up. So even when you just said about how you brought yourself back to prayer, I've had to do that as well because I grew up in the church too from a really young girl and making those connections is so powerful. So like tap into whatever your universal strengths are, call it God, call it whatever it is. You know, I truly believe that there's something more higher than all of us. And if we don't take the practice to connect with that, I think we're kind of left on this confusion. So if you find yourself doing that, I encourage you people, please, like, you know, what does it take to come back to your heart? And maybe because the heart's been broken, it's so sheltered that you don't want to go there. But that's where we go to grow. That's where we go to connect. So thank you for bringing that up because it's it's powerful. As we slowly unwind our podcast here, we got a couple more questions for you. What is your definition of success? What does success mean to Amber? Another fantastic question. And I would say it's changing. It's evolving and changing all the time. I would say now for me, success is contentment. It's it's peace of mind. It's presence. It's feeling connected. It's feeling like I'm serving, that I'm really making a meaningful difference in some capacity whether I receive payment for it or not, or I'm able to collect through an invoice, you know, I, I receive all the time from the universe. And sometimes it shows up in the form of a paycheck and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it shows up in the form of a gift or the gift of time, right? I, I have the gift of time in many ways and abundance and prosperity all around me, right? I don't need a, a steady paycheck to access that. So I think for me, my definition of success has changed a a great deal over the past couple of years. And I'm still excited to see where it goes, you know, what that, what that continues to look like for me. I'm totally open to all the possibilities. Beautifully said. Again, we would like you to leave us with a message, actually your message to women today. I would encourage and suggest anyone to take whatever step, big or small, is required in their life to learn to thrive a little bit more instead of survive. So what small step, action, or practice can you take today that will empower you to thrive rather than simply survive in this lifetime? Amber, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. You have brought a a world of knowledge. Can you let our friends that are listening know where they can, where's your website? 
give us some handles. We're gonna put it in the in your bio, of course, but since we have you here, where can we find you? Yeah, so I have a website. It's www.presentpossibilities.ca. I'm also present on Instagram at that name, present underscore possibilities. You can find me on Facebook as well, Present Possibilities, and on LinkedIn, I'm under Amber Pavey, my, my name uh, on LinkedIn. So yeah, I, I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners and connecting with like-minded souls. It's one of my passions for sure. We can't wait to have you back on the show, on our podcast. I call it a show because Evie and I do a radio show too, but this is so more in depth and so much fulfilling. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you everyone for being a part of this podcast, leaving you for now. Woman up! Woman up, I love it. Woman up! I'm just following you right now on Instagram. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait! (laughs) Take care, love ya! Thank you for listening to Woman Up. You can find all links and websites to our wonderful women in our show notes. We encourage you to connect and follow them. We're always looking for the next woman to share her story with us. To feature the women who inspire you, please contact us on Instagram at womanup, there's only one you.